At First Commonwealth Bank, we understand that many of today's businesses are facing uncertain times. And that means there's no more important time for having the right financial partner behind you. A partner with the resources and experience to help take care of your business. An SBA preferred lender who can see what others may not and do what others cannot. If you're ready to talk with a financial partner who can help your business today and into the future, there's no better time to talk with us. First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. What's going on guys, it's your man with the plan, Samuel Klein, coming back at you once again with another brand new installment of Sports Entertainment is Dead right here on Lords of Pain Radio. Thanks for tuning in guys, if you missed last week's episode you can still go catch that on demand, the way to do it is very simple, head over to Spreaker, head over to lordsofpain.net and you can catch my last episode of SCID on demand, you can also do it through your usual podcast provider as well. Please also make sure you check out all the other great shows here on Lords of Pain Radio. We have stuff coming to you each and every single day of the week, covering everything from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, TNA, Indie Circuits, British Wrestling, you name it, we've got coverage for it. So do make sure you check out all the wonderful shows. You can do so by subscribing. Don't subscribe to Lords of Pain Radio, but do subscribe to each of our shows by their individual name, and that way you can make sure you don't miss a second of the great coverage we've got for you here on Lords of Pain Radio. It is another week in my ongoing project for Sports Entertainment is Dead Year 2. If, of course, you're unfamiliar with it, and this is the first time you're tuning in, I take a guest host every single week and we explore a match chosen quite at random historically either by myself or said guest to explore the themes, the creative merits, the character, the narrative, its historical importance, anything that we think is worth commenting on. It's all inspired by my book 101 WW Matches to See Before You Die which you can still go ahead and buy on Amazon anywhere in the world. And of course, it's also the inspiration behind my second incoming book, which will be a direct sequel to 101, but will be focused specifically on the new generation era. Both of these books explore many of the benefits that come with watching your professional wrestling as performance art rather than as sports entertainment, which as the title of my show implies is, in my belief, dead. That's what these match explorations aim to do as well. And this week, we have another Welcome back once again. He was with me last week and he is back for his fourth appearance on this new Look Sports Entertainment is Dead this week. It's uh, Sam. Welcome back to the show, Sam. Great to to be here again, Plan. Okay, cool. Well, we've got uh, a match to talk about and I want to get right into it because knowing us two, we're probably going to be waffling on. We've only got 30 minutes and it does tend to fly by. We're talking about the Shield triple threat for the WWE Championship, the only Shield triple threat match we ever got. may ever get uh, unless something drastic changes you would think uh, it's Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins versus defending WWE champion Dean Ambrose at Battleground 2016 now we've got so much to to pick apart in this but before we get to all of the good stuff I want to get the more boring conversation point out of the way first a lot of people don't talk about this match a lot of people have simply written it off I remember at the time there was a sense of disappointment about it and it felt like it was all rooted in the fact it was happening at Battleground and rooted in the idea that if it's happening at Battleground that somehow means that it's lesser at the same time I remember as well a lot of people ticked off that it was kind of woven into the beginnings of the second brand extension 
by the way, said it was a bad idea at the time, proven to be a bad idea, but, uh, you know, what was it that Ric Flair and, and, and Mr. Perfect said? We don't like to tell you we told you so, but we told you so, but anyway. Um, sorry, guys, I have to I have to get my pot shots in when I can get them. Um, uh, so there was a lot of sense of it playing second fiddle in more ways than one in a way that it shouldn't. I defended it at the time, I know other people did as well, defend it at the time, saying, look, just because it's happening at Battleground doesn't mean it's any less of a big deal. It's a big deal because it's the Shield triple threat. It doesn't matter. Yes, it would have been awesome to see it where it should be in a headlining spot at WrestleMania, but it's still a Shield triple threat. They're still getting 25 minutes, 30 minutes to wrestle and tell their story, and it happened at the time it should have happened. It would have been very easy for WWE to engage their bad habit of saying, yes, it makes sense for us to have this match now, but we've got to try and find seven months to waste so we can do it at WrestleMania for the sake of doing it at WrestleMania at the expense of the quality of the story. You look at something like Seth Rollins versus Triple H, for example. Uh, instead, they pulled the trigger there and then. And I've lost count of the number of times people have complained about WWE not doing that. And that here they are doing it and, and you know, it got complained about. But I understand the, the sense of disappointment about it not headlining at WrestleMania. Um, it's just that I think I would have preferred it to have headlined at WrestleMania. I think the way the match plays out, it very well could have played out in the main spot of a WrestleMania. But... Having said all of that, when you consider that Seth was back from injury just recently, had won the World Championship on his first appearance back against Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank the month before, Uh, Seth and Dean were the first top two picks of the second brand extension, which up until that point were claims that could only be made by The Rock and The Undertaker, Um, and the fact that you've got Dean Ambrose having cashed in the month before now defending the championship, uh, and the fact that Roman Reigns had just come back from from a... uh, suspension for violating wellness it coalesced into the perfect opportunity Seth and Dean as well by the way had what I consider to be quite possibly uh, after the ladder match their best match bracket S um, on the Raw and Smackdown leading up to this which I think you've got to watch as a single entity um, it was the perfect timing it maybe wasn't the perfect staging but it certainly paid off in the end I think Oh, look, it's hard with this one because I love this match, but it gets beaten by that tag. And so I I want to stand up for it with the argument that the the stage shouldn't count, shouldn't matter, because it is, as you said, this is the Shield triple threat. But I think historically it is absolutely a, a shame that we never got this at WrestleMania or that they didn't wait four bloody weeks and just put it at SummerSlam, yeah. <laughs> um, which would have been a much bigger stage for it. And so, look... At the time, I was also excited for this, and I was one of the people who was saying, who cares? This is the Shield Triple Threat. It's all on the WWE Network anyway. Let's just enjoy this for what it is. But looking back on it historically now, I think it would have been – it is a missed opportunity that it was not something that was put on um, a WrestleMania or SummerSlam stage. Uh, and looking back – it's it's almost like it's a snake bitten matchup because looking back, it looks like they did try and orchestrate that sort of thing back in 2017, sorry, 2018 for 2018 and 2019. It looked like they could have been working towards something like that at WrestleMania, but different injuries or, or people leaving the company <laughs> coalesced so that it didn't happen. Uh, 
so look, I, I want to get into the good stuff around this match, but I, I have to say it's it's a it's a shame that this didn't happen on a bigger stage because well, historically we do give weight to matches that happen at SummerSlam, matches that happen at WrestleMania in particular. Uh, we do, and we're conditioned to do that by WWE, of course. Mm. Um, uh, I try not to do it, um, but here's the thing: had this match happened on, and this is how we're going to get into the good stuff here. Had this match happened at SummerSlam, had this match happened at WrestleMania, with the exception of the fact you've got, you know, Shane and Stephanie and Brian and Foley at ringside, um, the actual content of the match I couldn't see playing out in any other way, regardless of whether it was at a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania. So we were essentially getting the exact match in my mind that we would have got. And the reason for that is because I agree. it feels like every element of this match every minute of it every moment of it is so infused with character and so infused with their style as performers uh that um it feels like it's essential is the word that i decided that i was going to use on this show to describe it because obviously to to my mind the shield are the last great thing to have happened to wrestling and that's last as in final not last as in most recent uh that's just where i am and so and the reason for that is because they're so each one of them individually, including the now departed Dean Ambrose, uh, is so heavily rooted in a sense of character continuity and a sense of character development. Roman Reigns, obviously, to a <laughs> to perhaps a a, 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 a more um, a juddery extent, but it's there nonetheless. Specifically, their relationships with each other. Uh, that this the way that this story plays out you know granted you might sort of be able to in your head in mind experiment switch the sort of moral allegiances around a little bit and maybe that would have a little bit of an effect but it, it still feels like this plays out exactly the way it had to play out uh, and whether they'd have waited until the following wrestlemania or the following SummerSlam, i think we would have got the same match because of that because it's so heavily rooted in uh, character and of course that all starts with one of the most fantastic pre-match hype video packages I think they've ever produced um, where there's the lyric power poisons the heart and of course that's so tragically at the heart of uh, the Shield as a group. I remember their their match at Survivor Series with the New Day, and the New Day saying we're a, we're a brotherhood that won't ever split. You know, we're a group. You're three individuals, uh, and that's true. And that's the tragic sort of contradiction at the heart of the Shield is they are to my mind, the greatest group we've ever seen, um, precisely because they're three individuals, but unfortunately that also means they're doomed to be constantly trapped in this cycle of turning on each other as their individual uh, character flaws uh, and motivations supersede that of the, the unit, and we've seen that in multiple guises. Um, so Power Poison to the Heart, it's, it's not just, it's obviously here, aimed directly at the fact that Seth had betrayed them, uh, a couple of years before, uh, but it seems to strike at the very defining heart of the Shield as a as a group of brothers as well. I think. Yeah, and just to quickly get a, some of the negative stuff out of the way, um, there's a lot of bullshit going on around this match with the commissioners and the commentary. But these guys, to your point, these guys wrestle like they're not there. They do not yes, pay absolutely. those commissioners one mind one bit of, of care. They do not acknowledge them one bit and commentary, absolute garbage. If you can don't watch it. I hate, I can't watch matches on mute, but if you can, I've learned to zone commentary out, particularly when I'm doing rewatches like this, because I want to see what's actually going on in the ring, particularly with modern WWE. So often the commentary doesn't add to it. Uh, and I, if you can zone them out, this match, they, they, 
doesn't re- <laughs> doesn't re- doesn't actually they don't wrestle well it doesn't add anything to this match so both of those uh, to speak to your point the these guys wrestle like they're just they're the only three people in the world at the time uh and which to yeah look, fair, they probably were to each of them at the time yeah and and to to get to your power poisons the heart because not only has what seth done affected his relationship with roman and and dean it's also affected dean's relationship with roman um because now these two people who are brothers are fighting and one of the interesting parts of this match at the start obviously seth comes out and in a lovely like sniving way mocks the shield's um signature pose right at the start hmm. and and Dean and Dean and Roman sort of gang up on him at first, but then eventually Dean, who sort of is more of the wild one of the Shield, he has to attack De- has to attack Roman uh, because these they're all in a conflict now. It's not just Dean versus Seth. It's not just Roman versus Seth. It's all three of them against what? one another. What I love so much about... Well, first of all, before I get to that, just before I forget, the, the moment you, you mentioned where Seth comes out and he, he sort of mocks the, the fist bump, uh, I love the way that, in particular, Roman's reaction, because Roman just gives him a like a, a big right hand. Um, yeah. And um, much like the the opening of their Money in the Bank match, which I'm going to be talking with, spoiler alert, with Doc about in, in, in the next couple of weeks... Um, it feels like because obviously Roman never had that program with Seth after with Seth after the betrayal like Dean did, and that was something people were kind of a bit confused about. I think it, I think they play on that, um, whether it's consciously or not, I don't know, but they they feel to play on that because at the beginning of the Money in the Bank, but also with that right hand, that right hand in this triple threat feels like you've got two years of pent up aggression against this guy. Mm being unleashed in a, in a single punch uh, that just takes Seth's jaw off. Um, and then with, with Dean, uh, to your point about him now having to, to wrestle Roman, there's a, there's a symbolic sense after having cashed in that money in the bank to take the championship off of Seth in the way Seth did off of, arguably off of Roman, certainly off of Lesnar at WrestleMania. Uh, there's a sense that that championship is symbolic of his revenge over Seth. Like that, that's justice now, uh, because that represents his his ability to get that revenge on on the guy who betrayed him, and so he can't lose that. You know, that's everything to him now. So mm. he's he's got to cling on to that, and he will fight Roman to have that, um, because that's it's that important to him. So, <clears throat> and this doesn't or, feel like the the Seth, the, sorry, the Dean and Roman match at Survivor Series 2015, which very much still felt like camaraderie. It felt like mm. we'll fight it out. Loser, 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 winner gets the championship. Loser buys the beers. Like that's what it felt like. This feels a lot more intense. Yes, absolutely. It's less good humoured. Uh, and yes, because um, uh, well, I say the stakes are higher. I mean, the stakes are higher really because Seth's in there, so you've got a chance mm, at revenge. Exactly. Well. Um, the uh, so much character to dissect before we get too lost in that. I do want to mention some other some other elements to the match. One of the, the the although it's funny because no matter what you bring up, you just can't seem to get away from the character, um, which is one reason why it's such a masterpiece. But so good <laughs> the uh, the uh, the the structure of it. I've always said this about triple threat matches as a as a genre of wrestling. You had 
triple threat matches as they used to be, like in their formative years where two guys would wrestle and the other one would be outside the most common structure. You get to WrestleMania 20, you have a whole new version of it. You know, it defines the genre. It demonstrates that if you, you've got to approach it creatively and there's ways to get all three guys involved in the action at once. And that WrestleMania 20 match sets out... Uh, flourishes that are then repeatedly used time after time after time in triple threat matches that happen after it. Then you get to Royal Rumble 2015, you have a whole new version of a triple threat match, a Lesnarite triple threat match, where one guy is positioned as an unstoppable monster uh, and structurally they tend to follow the same pattern. At one point the other two guys will double team him, dispatch him, they'll race to try and get a finish while the monster's out, then the monster come back, comes back and eventually you work your way to the conclusion. That's the structure that this one follows. Uh, so many of them have after that Royal Rumble 2015 match where Reigns is occupying the monster role. And that's so interesting to me, especially because he essentially wrestles as the bad guy at Money in the Bank as well. Um, he occupies that big man role in this match. He's the powerhouse, as he always was in the Shield. Um, and structurally, you get exactly the same conceit. About halfway through or two-thirds of the way through, Seth and Dean give each other a silent look uh, and they double-team Rome. I mean, who'd have thought Dean siding with Seth against Rome? And that's, the, that's where we are at with the, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, to to put him through the table and then they get to have their hands on each other one on one um, and that's something that the WrestleMania 20 match does in itself but the point is that after Royal Rumble 2015 it became the heart of the structure of so many triple threat matches rather than just sort of a, a passing addition and I think that that happens here and you get when I think when Roman comes back in he feels like a difference maker again so even in the structure of it you have what is essentially uh, a representation of the Shield as a group. But even in the, I would say before, in the lead up to this, there's they're still wrestling as as the way they are. Seth wrestles really smartly. He seems to in, be more surgically injecting himself when there's yep. less risk for himself and when he feels like he can do the most damage. Um, whereas Dean's going full ball or ball or all, all out he, the only way he knows. And of course, Reigns is that that dominant force. And I love when when um when Seth and Dean. Do, when Dean realizes he has to he has to team up with Seth, he gi- he gives Seth this look that's just like, "Do not fuck with me, like uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be messed with the second time." Well, um, of course, what happens? Of is course, he Seth does does fuck yep. with him um, yep, because absolutely. what happens is they it, is the that chair straight too. off of the um, is that straight off straight of the after Roman? the power bomb? Yeah, straight uh, after so... they power bomb him through the table, Seth and. Seth immediately hits Dean in the back with a chair. With with a steel chair. And it's so yep. tragic. And, and Dean poetic. does exactly the same sell of his hands going up and his chest flailing out and exactly the same sell as when he got hit in the back with a chair um, all those years and, ago. And there's um, Seth screaming the fairy tale is over. Um, and I always find it, when I watch Seth and Dean's work together particularly, whether it's Dean's screaming at Seth when he turned on him at the back end of 2018 uh, or whether it's it's in the ladder match or whether it's here whenever they're trash talking one another in the ring I always find it 
very affecting because of how emotionally invested I am in the story and in their relationship uh, and how emotional it always feels like the two performed with each other as well and him screaming the fairy tale is over and in this match where he's basically willfully enacted it feels even worse in some ways than what happened in 2014 because uh, it it feels like it's got an extra layer of cruelty to it you know it's 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 done in a mocking way as much as it is done in a vicious way um and you know it's like kicking someone when they're already down uh, and to do it in a humiliating way as well you know after after as you say dean essentially silently challenges him not to piss about with him again um you know it's so it's so vainglorious of of seth to do that and it's so true to who he is as a is a character uh, yeah and, and the way he pulls the chair out from under the ring is done very sneakily mm. yes absolutely um you, you've sort of mentioned it in passing that stylistically, uh, as performers, uh, you mentioned obviously character in terms of character, it's very true to each individual. I think stylistically, as performers, it is as well. You get quintessential performances from each one of them. Uh, it's one of Roman's best performances because he's allowed to be that heavy duty difference maker who operates in, in hard, short, explosive bursts. Uh, Seth is allowed to, uh, yes, he's cunning and clever, but he's also allowed to put in an athletic uh, performance that demonstrates that kind he's of an assassin. Yeah, that polished athleticism uh, uh, that he has, uh, and Dean is is <laughs> is Dean. Uh, you know, he. I mean, Dean is the only way to describe him. I think. Um, you know, he flails around. He's he's a ball of energy. He's he's rabid, um, and so you get. You know what was always great about the shield um, was always the not just the the sense of characters that they had and and how different they were as personalities, which you've already mentioned, but how different they were as performers as well. Um, you know, to marry three very different kind of performers together uh, in a way that that complemented one another so brilliantly, and then to see that poised against one another i think it's difficult to to think you were ever going to get anything other than than magic uh, when the three performers particularly are so familiar with each other as well i mean you know just from a to take a step back and look at it from a meta perspective for for us for a moment uh, you know they've wrestled two years every day every week alongside each other pretty much every day of the week uh, and then regularly revisited wrestling against each other on multiple occasions since that time as well and i think that that pays off in the ring because the chemistry is off the charts and i think as well to last week we talked a lot about counters there's a lot in this match because these are got three guys that know each other back to front they they know each other better than um better than anyone else in the world knows them uh there's lots of times where for example just when when dean comes off the comes out of nowhere uh off the table off the um commentary tables to the time into the timekeepers area seth avoids that because he knows that that's he would have had eyes in the when he was going in that area he would have had with roman he would have had eyes in the back of his head Mm. because he knows that that D at some point Dean is coming off something into that area and he avoids it because of that. There's even, there's a, you know, at the end, there's a lot of cool moments around um, the, their finishes, particularly with Roman and Seth countering each other. And, and I mean, there's obviously the, uh, the, in the, the, match you're going to look at with doc there's there's that element as well at the end, but it comes into this match as well with all of them. Um, Hit, and and even the ending, the the fall at the end happens because Dean is able to inject himself 
after he after Roman has hit the spear, uh, and he knows that that's coming because he knows what Roman is like. He knows when Roman going for, for those moves and he knows when he can jump in uh, and hit that dirty deeds on Roman when Seth uh, is debilitated. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the I'm conscious. I'm sorry. I'm pausing because I'm just looking at the at my watch here. I'm conscious that we're, we're already 20 minutes in. Um, Jeez. Is, is, there, is there anything that that you specifically want to talk about. I don't want us to race to the finish and leave too much on the table that we're both left frustrated. Is there anything specifically you want to talk about um, before we move on? I would say that we talked earlier about how there was a, a feeling where people were like, we wish this was on a bigger stage, blah, 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 blah. When this has happening, the cra- and, and we talked about all that garbage of the you know, the commissioners being out there and the Raw versus SmackDown and that stuff, the crowd is fully absorbed in this. When you're watching it, the crowd is absolutely loving it. They get this is awesome chance. They get the crowd you know, exploding on the near falls. The crowd is riding this match hard so despite the critical consensus not not treating and the historical consensus not treating this match with the respect it deserves on the night if you go back and watch this get rid of that just ignore the other stuff as best you can watch the crowd the crowd is on the edge of their seat with this whole match and i would say it's i would i mean i'd argue that it's very very easy to ignore the other stuff because it's so Mm. uh unintrusive i mean and because these guys wrestle without it they don't pay any lip service to it yeah absolutely um i mean Mm. the the commentary is is sometimes unavoidably intrusive it's that bad but uh, you know in terms of the the commissioners and whatever the hell they were called at the time you know sat around ringside they don't do anything you know they they stay out of the way they're not drawing attention to themselves i think shane runs around like a bit of an idiot at some point but um you know you'd have to be willingly doing it to be obsessing over the fact that they're at, at ringside. Um, and we, interestingly sorry, enough, can I quickly jump in? Yeah, of course, of course. Just, just before we go, uh, the crowd is loving it. And, and we've talked a lot about the characters, but I don't want to understate the athleticism of these guys. Like they are wrestling a fast and furious pace. Dean is brawling his little heart out. Seth Rollins is athletic. He does, he pulls out, um, the move, some some of the moves that he does, he still doesn't he doesn't pull out to this day. He does dives and he he wrestles that aerial way that that people love and then that some people seem to want him to go back more to. And Roman, as we said, this is the best Roman. Roman Reigns looks best when he's allowed to be a, an absolute wrecking ball, a badass wrecking ball, and he wrestles like one in this match with high impact moves. The the actual. Uh, uh, the athleticism and the the visuals of this match are fantastic as well. Not just beyond the character. We love character because we are, that's that's what we love so much about wrestling, particularly these guys. But it, it, I just wanted to throw that in because it, it's worth mentioning that this is this is great wrestling at the same time. It's worth mentioning as well. Uh, you know, whatever. I, there's been such a gross mischaracterization of. Um, Dean Ambrose's run in WWE um, that is wholly inaccurate. You know, it's it, and I am prepared to say that it's wrong to say what is said about Dean's WWE run entirely wrong. Um, you will not what, get an what, argument out of me. <laughs> uh, um, as I mentioned earlier, Seth and 
sometimes the top guys in a generation are defined as much by uh, you know the coincidences of, of history and fate or whatever you might want to call it as they are by WWE's purposeful treatment or what fans say about them uh, and Seth Dean and of course Roman as well uh, absolutely are and were in Dean's case the top guys of their generation uh, mm-hmm. you know the fact that they were the, the first two uh, Seth was the first draft pick uh, Dean was the second draft pick um, in the second ever brand extension. Um, you know, you can you can make of that what they what you will. Obviously, it's predetermined, but there's a reason why those two were predetermined as the top two draft picks at the time. It's because they're the top two guys of their generation. Um, uh, and I think, I mean, it's a whole other conversation you can get into, of course. So I don't want to get too lost down that rabbit hole. Um, but what that means is you're watching one of the defining matches arguably the last match of the reality era is something that i've that i've often um toyed about with in my head um but a match that brings together you know this is like seeing triple h the rock and stone cold steve austin in a in a match with each other um it doesn't have the same box office obviously it doesn't have the same staging that that would probably have had but it should have the same appeal from a story perspective and from a character perspective which is all there in exactly the same way it would be if it was on wrestlemania or SummerSlam. uh most importantly of all, and I can't stress this enough because this seems to happen a lot, Dean Ambrose wins. You know, and obviously Dean Ambrose wins because he's the champion. He's going to SmackDown. They need a champion on SmackDown. Um, this is the only time all three characters, all three members of the Shield, and I'm saying this from an in-universe perspective, the only time all three of them wrestled each other, Dean Ambrose proved he was the best of the three of them. Uh, and there seems to be something... Um, there seems to be an element of poetic justice about that because the thing about Dean Ambrose and the way that the company always so horribly mischaracterized him, I thought, um, was that, uh, and I've, you know, we, I think we've talked about this in the distant past on Sports Entertainment is Dead a number of times, um, is the fact that he only looks crazy because he's saner than the rest of us. Uh, you know, he has a worldview that's based on merit rather than on a, a merit defined by, you know, uh, I suppose love rather than than a love of money. You know, uh, I always go back to the potted plant incident as a demonstration of this to to, to succinctly define what I mean. Which only happened a few months ago in this case. Indeed, uh, where he rips up Jericho's jacket, mega expensive jacket, because Jericho destroyed his his potted plant that cost a dollar from a value store. Uh, well, it didn't matter because he loved that plant as much as Jericho loved his jacket. So in Ambrose's mind, the two things equate. To us, that's crazy. To him, it makes complete sense. He's a man with his own worldview. So I think the fact that uh, he comes out the winner and the fact it's such a, a a clean and decisive victory as well there's not there's not sort of any mucking around there's not really any any mitigating circumstance behind it you know there's no outside interference or anything it's a clean conclusion to this one time the three of them uh, wrestled um and then when you when you add in the way that again from the real world perspective you add in the way that his career has been mischaracterized as well in WWE, I think there's something so wonderful and joyous and elating and feel good about the fact that Ambrose wins this, um, and it's almost like it puts a full stop and an underline under his revenge over Seth in particular. Mm. I I would agree there. Love wins. Let's say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. Look, and to to expand upon your thoughts of on Dean Ambrose uh, and and the way he wrestles. I spoke about him brawling, and he does very much brawl in this, but he also wrestles smartly. As I said, the reason that he wins at the end is because 
he waits for Roman to spear Seth, and then he hits Roman with his finisher when Roman is distracted um, by wanting to pin Seth. That's a that's a smart thing. And earlier this year, the year of this, he would have he wrestles a uh, Triple H in a a really technical match. And in a couple months' time, he's going to wrestle AJ Styles in what I think is an amazingly amazing match of counters and technical wrestling and back and forth. And and the characteristic of him just as a brawler, I mean, it very much stems from his time in the shield he was like that but also his initial singles run was against seth and he was jumping out of things and he was doing grievous bodily harm to seth he is a much more well-rounded character than anyone gives him credit well not anyone but a lot of people give him credit for and i'm i'm really hoping that he he is show i think he has shown that as well in um, his work outside of the WWE. Uh, he has at times probably gotten distracted by being, I guess, the that aggressive, hardcore guy. But there's been times, particularly in the G1 that he wrestled um, last year, where he was wrestling a, a, a more technical style. Uh, and he can do more than that. Anyway, I'm, I'm on my Dean Ambrose high horse now. <laughs> Well, I mean, I we think didn't come to I, talk about that, but <laughs> what what I'd say, well, it's all part of the match. Yeah, what I true. what I would say is um, one thing that WWE get a lot of criticism, quite fairly, for stifling wrestlers' creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the time, I find that when wrestlers are away, who've been in WWE or away from WWE, they sometimes struggle with a self-editing process. They don't know what not to do. Um, and it's it's you've got two extremes, and there's no middle ground anymore. It feels like to me, which is another reason why I've stepped away. You know, I think um, WWE is at its best when it allows the performers to bring their ideas to the table, and all WWE does is act as an editor rather than as a writer. I think that's mm. that's how they should that's how they should operate um, is to call the worst excesses of the performers uh, and encourage their best traits. And I think too often they get WWE and perhaps Vince himself gets obsessed with the idea that he knows best rather than I can give you an outsider's perspective and tell you, well, I think that'll work, but I'm not so sure about that. And in this match, that proves that so clearly. I'll quickly, I'll be quick, but this match proves it so clearly clearly, because you've got all the, I I called it bullshit at the start. (laughs) You've got all the WWE garbage around it with the draft and the commentators and the cutting to the the change rooms and whatever, but these three guys, they're in there wrestling an amazing match and that's their creation. That match is a hundred percent their creation. Absolutely. Um, I would gamble it is at least. (laughs) Obviously I don't know. I wasn't there. Where where would you, um, in the pantheon of, of the shields story, um, both together and individually, um, where do you think this would sit? Uh, if you were to rank, um, you know, if I mean, I'm not that keen on star ratings, obviously, but if you were mm. to sort of rank favorites or, or best shield matches. Oh, jeez. Um, well, I think... actually, you know what? I'll just go back to when uh, Dean left WWE, me and, Mav, me and um, Maverick did a, a rating of Dean Ambrose's matches. Uh, and this one came in the top 10, uh, but it was behind the Hell in the Cell, the Lumberjack and the ladder match that he had with Seth. So that's where I would put it. What about yourself? Well, that's not how the show works, Sam. I ask you the questions that oh. can't be answered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But- I mean, I, I, I have... Uh, I, we can give ourselves an extra few minutes here. I, um, I have a... a as, as you know, as so many people know, uh, an un- 
deeply felt love and adoration even for the ladder match that Seth and Dean wrestle, which I still think is an absolutely outstanding masterpiece of professional wrestling that doesn't doesn't get any talk about it at all. Um, well, we put it right we put moment. it as his number one match, so we. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, Maz. Maz Sorry, Mav, not Maz. That's a whole <laughs> different kettle of fish. Mav loves that match just as much as you, I think. <laughs> Indeed, we did. We actually yeah. did a, a, um, a live breakdown of it, watched along and broke it down as it played out on the pond once. But um, oh, really? I'll so to yeah, absolutely. I seek that out. <laughs> so I, I absolutely adore that match. I adore the tag team matches that Seth and Dean had together in 2017, especially the one at SummerSlam where they reunited, which was so oh, yeah, um, so special. Incredible. That's why I started when... writing about wrestling. Oh, excellent. Um, and um, so many of the individual stuff I love. I mean, there's the Wyatt's match at Elimination Chamber. That's outstanding. I really like Oh, yeah, the we didn't date. include the tags in that, that list, did we? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> there's the... There's the New Day match that I think is, is yep. severely underappreciated at, yeah. at Survivor Series. There's the one they did in Australia, which I thought was really was a different kind of Shield match, but was really good. You know, hey, they wrestled there's the, Braun. There's and... the Steel Cage match that they had that was the first live show I ever went to. There you go. <laughs> absolutely. So yep. it's, 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 it's very, very difficult. I think top 10 would be about as accurate as I could get off the top of my head, I think, yep. for this for this triple threat. Um, I mean, you've got to, you can't discount the fact it's the only time all three of them wrestled each other at the same time. I mean, that alone gives it a huge boost, doesn't it? Yeah. And and, and the, look, and I the think... fact that we'll probably never see it again suddenly no. it becomes a suddenly it becomes a singular entity. Yeah. And and Dean Ambrose doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who. Well, John Moxley now doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who's doing things for money, which is, you know, very. I'm going to write the column where I'm going to link Dean Ambrose and John Moxley. I, I'm going to write that one day because he is still the same person. There are some differences, but he is still the same person. To people who think he is completely different, they have they are absolutely kidding themselves. Anyway, that's a you, uh, um, it's a different. Uh, I, I would I would I would love to see one day. If John Moxley ever finds his way back to WWE, I don't think it'll ever happen, given the nature of what he was describing when he left. He would come but, back. Um, this is all he'd come back for, I think. Probably. Um, maybe when maybe when Triple H is running the creative or something. But uh, if he ever found his way back, I would love to see Dean Ambrose pop up. You know, Seth Rollins is the champion. Uh, and then they do. Do you remember when uh, Mankind became Cactus Jack to challenge Triple H for the for the uh, maybe you, you weren't watching? Yes. No, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that segment uh, where they're sitting that, where, the... where, where um, I think it's Dude Love does a, a thing and brings in Mankind and Mankind goes, oh, no, I, you know, I'm not going to wrestle today or whatever. But I do, I do have another guy. Is that what you're talking about? It's So what happens is in the build up to Royal Rumble 2000, the McMahon Elmsley regime is running riot. And oh, I was thinking. Uh, of like 97 when Cactus Jack yeah, first. Yeah, no, you're, you're thinking the wrong thing. So what happens is Triple H beats Mankind down. I think it's in a title match or something. Pedigrees Mankind through a, an announce table, absolutely lays waste to the guy. Uh, and Mankind's, you know, he's bleeding profusely. The following SmackDown, Mankind comes out and he says the the one thing that I'm uh, that I that I realized after you beat me up on, on Monday is that Mankind is absolutely not ready to face you for the championship at, at Royal Rumble and the crowd all boo or whatever and Triple H is all I smug and whatever. Um, 
and then he says, but there is someone who, who can uh, can mm. wrestle you at Royal Rumble. I think you know the guy. Uh, and he pulls off his... Takes the shirt off. Just, just replacing oh. it. Takes the shirt off, and it's got a Cactus Jack shirt. And the way Triple H sells it is is unbelievable. And I can just see them doing that segment where Dean Ambrose transforms into John Moxley and Seth's in the ring and realizes what he's in for. I mean, that would just be something yep. truly special, I think. Oh. But... Um, we can't to go dream. back, to go back to what we were talking about story-wise, I guess I I would agree with you that this match underlines it, it finishes the revenge arc um, for Dean Ambrose. Um, the if the this is this is him proving um, obviously the revenge the act of revenge is him taking the money in the bank briefcase and, and winning the championship off Seth Rollins. But this is him underlining the fact that he was always as good as, as Seth Rollins and as Roman Reigns uh, and that he, uh, and then they, he goes off to be the, the top of his brand and, and Roman and Seth go off to be in the, on their brand. Uh, and I don't think the, the reunion happens without this match. Uh, well, absolutely. It certainly doesn't happen to the same emotional, um, mm. same emotional extent. Mm. Um, we've got to. We could talk all day, but we, we're going to have to end the show at some point. Um, so, uh, Sam, thank you for coming on and discussing that uh, with me. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you back. Uh, the cycle has begun again, so it might be a while before we see you again sometime. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll we'll have you back on the show uh, to discuss another couple of matches. Maybe we'll cycle back to New Japan or something in the future. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure maybe a John maybe, Moxley match. I was just about to say maybe you can, you can <laughs> root out uh, one or two of them for us to sit and watch, and that'll be interesting uh, from my perspective at least. I've seen a couple of the John Moxley bits outside of WWE, but none of the New Japan stuff. And um, honestly, what I saw of the non-New Japan stuff didn't really do much for me. So um, it'll be interesting to see how I would react to that. So thank you for coming on. Before you go, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you can read my work on lordsofpain.net, uh, Sir Sam's Court. You can hit me up on Twitter, uh, Sir underscore Samuel. Um, but yeah, look, I would just say to people who like the Shield, people who loved Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins, give give this match a rewatch. I cannot stress enough how good it is. To me, this is as good as wrestling gets. I watched this today, uh, and just before we we did this podcast, and. I was just so blown away by how good it was. I'd, I had been probably a good nine months or so since I'd last visited this match. Uh, and this is such great professional wrestling. It has everything, the athleticism, the aesthetics, the story, the characters, um, the crowds loving it. You've Obviously, we've been through some of the things you've got to ignore, but this, this is the some of the best professional wrestling and I just implore people to go back and watch it if you love The Shield and if you love these guys' story. There you go. Sam, thank you for joining me and I will see you again soon. Indeed. Thank you very much. My thanks once again to Sam for joining me for this second week. Uh, I myself have nothing really to plug. As I mentioned at the end of last week's show, we are now in the final few episodes of Sports Entertainment is Dead as I reach Retirement. You can, of course, catch my last column on lordsofpain.net when it drops shortly, if it hasn't already by the time this episode goes out. Uh, but otherwise, I am stepping back from all wrestling coverage, columns and podcasts 
alike. Uh, I'm retiring from Lords of Pain, and uh, I've only got two more episodes of this show to go now, both featuring Doc Chad Matthews, who will join me next week and the week after. I wish I could tell you that I'd planned my retirement ahead in plenty of time to come to some sort of elegant conclusion, but such was not the case. I've kind of stumbled into it, so only two more episodes to go, and that'll be it. But uh, be sure to check them out. They're going to be a great couple of shows. They always are when Doc's on. Uh, So do check me out next week, and in the meantime, Have a good one and stay safe, folks. At First Commonwealth Bank, we understand that many of today's businesses are facing uncertain times. And that means there's no more important time for having the right financial partner behind you. A partner with the resources and experience to help take care of your business. An SBA preferred lender who can see what others may not and do what others cannot. If you're ready to talk with a financial partner who can help your business today and into the future, there's no better time to talk with us. First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. At First Commonwealth Bank, we understand that many of today's businesses are facing uncertain times. And that means there's no more important time for having the right financial partner behind you. A partner with the resources and experience to help take care of your business. An SBA preferred lender who can see what others may not and do what others cannot. If you're ready to talk with a financial partner who can help your business today and into the future, there's no better time to talk with us. First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. At First Commonwealth Bank, we understand that many of today's businesses are facing uncertain times. And that means there's no more important time for having the right financial partner behind you. A partner with the resources and experience to help take care of your business. An SBA preferred lender who can see what others may not and do what others cannot. If you're ready to talk with a financial partner who can help your business today and into the future, there's no better time to talk with us. First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. At First Commonwealth Bank, we understand that many of today's businesses are facing uncertain times. And that means there's no more important time for having the right financial partner behind you. A partner with the resources and experience to help take care of your business. An SBA preferred lender who can see what others may not and do what others cannot. If you're ready to talk with a financial partner who can help your business today and into the future, there's no better time to talk with us. First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC.